Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. have ever said these words before? We've always done it that way. Anybody ever said that? Raise your hands. How many of you ever said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Debbie has said it in, 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 in meetings before. Or if somebody's being a little bit more uh, combative, well, it's, it's the best way. Name a better way. And you're like, well, I didn't Sorry, I didn't come with a philosophical b- book to this conversation, right? So these are, these, are con- these are sentences that we say when we have just accepted the way things are, are the way things are, right? It can be something very minor. For example, the way that you run your household. The way that you run your household. Well, like, well, yeah, you do... Like, I remember whenever we first got married, we started talking about how we were going to do chores, right? We set up a particular way of how we do chores. So I'll just, I'll I'll give you just full disclosure. If one person cooks, the other person does the dishes, okay? And you stay out of each other's way when you're doing the dishes. Amen. Uh, (laughs) There's a story behind that, never mind. But that's, that's, that's what we set up. And like, if we were to have a conversation, mate, is this really the best thing? It would be very, we probably would say, eh, it's, it's worked for us this long. Why would, we, why would we change it, right? So it can be something minor, but it can also be huge. It can be conversations about how we as a church do things, how we uh, do the business of the church, or how we worship together on Sunday mornings. You hear this in conversations about You've, you've heard this in conversations this past week when terrible things happen. It's always been this way. It's just what it is. And I'm not saying that that position is, cannot be good. That position can be very good. But what we notice is that whenever we start to accept it, we still notice that some things aren't perfect. Some things don't go right. Some things are not great. And what we begin to do is we begin to accept the systems that we have been given. And when I say systems, I don't mean, some of us think it's like, oh, we're talking about government. It's culture, it's economics, it's, um, it's how we do art, it's, how, it's, it's everything, it's all inclusive, okay? There's institutions outside of the church that stand for things, and we're just like, yeah, there's, they do some pretty good things, right? But what if it could be better? And in this story, we will see how God undermines everything that you and I can put together into a system to make the world better. Because God is bigger than what you and I can offer. So we're going to follow the story of Paul and Silas. Uh, It's going to be in Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. And uh, just so you know, Paul and Silas are going to be thrown in prison. How many of you have listened to a prisoner lately for life advice? See already how it's undermining the system? Do you see it? 
Okay. As I shared with you, Paul and Silas are going into Philippi. It's a major Roman hub for the empire, and they begin to share about Jesus to everybody else. And, well, that sort of creates a following. And there's this woman that begins to follow Paul and Silas. Uh, in particular, you're going to find out that she is uh, actually a slave, and others are making money off of her. And what Paul and Silas do will put them on a path that I don't think they saw going into Philippi. And it's going to be pretty significant. So Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. One day, when we were on the way to the place for prayer, we met a slave woman, and she had a spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She made a lot of money for her owners through fortune-telling. She began following Paul and us, shouting, These people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. And she did this for many days. Remember, she has a spirit. She's possessed. Okay? This annoyed Paul so much. Isn't it nice to know that the apostles got annoyed? That he finally turned and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. And it left her at that very moment. Just a side note. The reason why he's annoyed isn't because of what she is saying, but what the implication could be. Her being possessed by a spirit saying, these people are people of the most high God. Everybody claimed their God as the most high God. So her saying it would be saying, hey, the spirit that's in me is the God that you might need to follow. And these guys are following that spirit too. That's why Paul gets annoyed. Okay? Okay. So the spirit leaves her because of Paul's annoyance. Her owners realized that their hope for making money was gone. And they grabbed Silas and Paul and dragged them before the officials in the city center. When her owners approached the legal authorities, they said, these people are causing an uproar in our city. They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. Notice how they didn't really tell the reason why they were mad. Notice that there was not truth provided here. The crowd joined in the attacks against Paul and Silas, so the authorities ordered that they be stripped of their clothes and beaten with a rod. And when Paul and Silas had been severely beaten, the authorities threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to secure them with great care. And when he received these instructions, he threw them in the innermost cell and secured their feet in locks. They're in solitary. They ain't getting out. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. All at once, there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations, and the doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. And when the jailer awoke and saw the open doors of the prison, he thought the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And Paul shouted loudly, don't harm yourself. We are all here, y'all. The jailer called for some lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He led them outside and asked, honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your entire household. And they spoke the Lord's word to him and everyone else in his house. 
Right then, in the middle of the night, the jailer welcomed them and washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized, and he brought them into his home and gave them a meal. And he was overjoyed because he and everyone in his household had come to believe in God. Woo! That story turned from walking down the streets of Philippi <laughs> to an earthquake in jail to one of their enemies coming to know Jesus Christ. What a crazy story, right? What a messy story. And it all started with the fact that they said to that woman, be healed. Come out of, come out of this woman. What a messy, beautiful turn of events. But I think the thing of it is, is that the right thing that Paul and Silas did by bringing healing to this woman started all these events that, events that begin to shed light on the system around them. For example, you and I know this already, but people should not be exploited for profit by their demons. Right? Like, that's, that seems to be a typical moral thing. That doesn't seem to be... But yet, the economics of the day saw it as a normal thing. And I wonder if, in our economy, people aren't exploited because of their demons. But then, as they take them into the court of law... You think, well, the court of law is going to be able to figure this out. Truth will come out. And guess what? There is no truth provided, and the crowd throws them into jail. And all of a sudden, the system that is supposed to show us truth is not bringing truth at all. And we might think to ourselves, well, that was back then. And yet, how many times have we heard that people have been exonerated from their crimes because our court of law still doesn't get it right. And then, they are thrown into captivity. Because that's what you do to somebody who's done a crime. They pay the time. And in the moment that Paul and Silas are there, they don't lose hope. Never lose hope. And they are praying and they're singing songs and everybody's hearing that they are praising some God that they don't know very well. And you know what that God does? He causes a force of nature to unbind them. Their chains fall off and the doors fly open. And it's not just the chains of Paul and Silas. It is not just the door in the cell of Paul and Silas. It is every single prisoner sudden God might be saying something to us that maybe the ways that we go about making people pay for their crimes isn't it. Trust me, I have read this story for years, and only recently has God really popped that out to me. You know that? Because you know what? It's, it, you know, 
No, every single prisoner was freed that night. That must mean something, y'all. Because the reality of it is, is that the economics and the civil authorities and the institutions that we have in our world don't have all the answers. They don't. And Jesus' way starts all of this by Paul and Silas being obedient and then God showing up in mighty ways. Why is Jesus called the light of the world? Because light brings light into darkness and shines upon the darkness for what it really is. Which means that Jesus didn't just come to save you and I from our sins. He came to do something bigger than that. N.T. Wright says it this way, We need saved from the mess of human rebellion, idolatry, and sin, corruption, pollution, exploitation. Salvation includes the reality that Jesus is already reigning and he is the answer to all of these messes. And when you hear that, you might think to yourself, well, everybody needs to become a Christian. No, 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 no. Christians need to act like Christians <laughs> to bring that reality into the world. It's not just about everybody else. We have to keep our focus and our lives attuned to how Jesus exactly led his own life. He forgave his worst enemies. He fed the one who would betray him. He made parables in ways that offended his Jewish brethren. You know why? Because we're all human. And the things that we try to divide ourselves around are not the answer to the way the world needs to be. So to, to button it all up, here's the sentence I want you to hear. Jesus didn't just come to forgive our sins. He came to set things right. There better be an amen there. And he sets things right through his faithful living in the way that he did. By Paul and Silas saying, I'm going to heal this girl even if it comes at great cost to me. I don't think they realized how much cost was going to go. Oh, I'm going to heal you. Prison, now. Oh, uh, Jesus? You think if they knew that they are going to prison that they'd want to do that? I, mm. But that's what Jesus did to save the world, didn't he? He walked the road of the cross and gave himself so that we would, might be forgiven and have new life. This is the road of being a Christian, and it ain't easy. So friends, we are called to good trouble that troubles the systems of our day. And it comes by living like Jesus did. By living like Paul and Silas do. What, what do Paul and Silas do here? They heal. They do not take up arms whenever they are treated poorly. They stay in the prison after they are freed. That's, that's a big thing. We're going to get to it here in a second. And they stop the person who put them there. 
from the fear that he had, that he thought he sh- the best way out was to end things. And they say, stop. Because, friends, the gospel is good news to every person. It's not just to you. It's not just to me. It's not just to a certain people of an ethnocentric kind of disposition. It is not uh, over the classes that we have. It's not bound by national lines. It's not bound by anything. It's good news to everybody. And if it's only good news to Paul and Silas that they are freed, but not good news to the jailer, it's not good news. So we have to take this posture that we've been talking about. You can't be judgmental. You cannot be thinking that you are above somebody else. You have to realize that we are all in this together. High School Musical just turned on in my mind. I am very sorry. We're all in this together. But it's not a good thing. It's sin and death. And the only one that can change it is Christ alone. And when you begin to live as Christ has called us to live, guess what happens? People get mad. Your family member will look at you really weirdly when you forgive that very annoying cousin or sibling. But they're just being ridiculous. You've got to forgive them, though. They'll be mad about it. People at work or school will look at you weird. Why are you helping them? They are the school bully. Why would you pick up their books? And when voices say that, well, it's the best that things can be and things like that, we stand separate from the rest of the world's systems, bearing witness that Jesus is better than every system we have made as humans. Friends, the church is to be a place that stands apart from civil authorities, social norms, economic regularities, and typical institutions to question whether or not it is indeed accomplishing God's will. And here's the deal. Be weary of people who use this book to justify systems of oppression, to justify governments and economics and institutions in ways that keep people from experiencing Jesus Christ's love and forgiveness and life. Be weary of folks like that. And some of you are saying, some of you have been in church a long time. Doesn't Paul say in Romans 13, we need to obey the authorities because God put them there? Is Paul obeying authorities right now by saying, oh yeah, we should, uh, <laughs> we should keep this very exploitative economic practice in place. No. Paul regularly disobeyed the authorities. The key is, is that when they come to move against you, you're going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But go with it because this is the journey we have been called to. It is not one of comfort. It is one of difficulty. And you going through it with the love and the forgiveness and the peace in your life will show what those systems are.
They are agents of Satan. Because it is also Paul who says, our battle is not just against the evil one, it's against powers and principalities. Because he understood that evil works through those two. Danny Quanstrom, who I went to seminary with, says this. What might it look like for the church to embrace holy annoyance with these systems of oppression and the way faith has become another excuse for supporting them? And then, in holy annoyance, come out of that system and in so doing, call others to do the same. Friends, our world has systems in place that reflect the sin of our world. It does. Why is war so often used by countries against each other? Why? Why is family court something that's supposed to help people in difficulty end up being the problem in major parental shifts? Why do we care more about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial than people who are put into prison for the most small offense in the entire world? Do you see it, y'all? It's not just, it's not, it's not one villain, it's, it's how we are. We have to keep our eyes focused on Christ and live in the way that he has given us to live, to receive his truth and live in it completely. And so, how do you do it? You heal people. You heal people who is somebody else's property. That's what happened here. He didn't ask for permission from those slave owners. You know why? Because it was wrong, what they were doing. You don't run out of the prison super fast, leaving people behind who have been hurt, who have been abused by the system, or who are doing things that they might not necessarily are with. Guess what? It took a lot of forgiveness and non-judgment for Paul and Silas to say to the jailer, hey, come in here, we're in here, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's to see that jailer, not as a Roman, not as... A villain, not as an enemy, but as a beloved child of God. And it's to see those who have been put into captivity or put into oppression, not as the problems of our world, but those who need help the most. And it's okay, y'all, to question the economy. I'm going to give you a hint. God's economy is way better than what we got. God's economy is saying, hey, what do you need? I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'm going to give to you. It is hospitality. It is generosity. It is love. It's not, hey, I need to do what I need to do and get all the stuff that I can at the expense of everyone else. It is 
you're a human being and I love you. What do you need? That doesn't make you money, y'all. <laughs> it doesn't make anybody money. Not any economic system makes money that way. We are called, friends, to bear witness to Jesus Christ who stands apart from all the systems of the world. And when we do, we will trouble those systems of the world. I have a story to share with you. It takes place in the state of Tennessee. In 1984, a man sinned, did something egregious, enough that he was put on death row. His name's Don Johnson. And his stepdaughter, for years upon years upon years, said, no, he deserves that. I cannot forgive him for what he has done. I cannot forgive him. But something happened to Don in prison. You see, Don found Christ. Not just found Christ in a way of saying, oh yeah, I believe in Christ. He became an elder in the Seventh-day Adventist church. They worship Jesus too. They just worship on Saturdays. <laughs> and he ministered to other prisoners. And he was sharing the good news of Jesus. And his stepdaughter got to a point in her own Christian faith where she realized that she, something needed to change. She met with him in 2012. And she told him about the pain that he had caused her. And after, and this is what she says, after I was finished telling him about all the years of pain and agony he had caused, I sat down and heard a voice, and the voice told me, that's it, let it go. And the next thing that came out of my mouth changed my life forever. I looked at him, and I told him I couldn't keep hating him because it was doing nothing but killing me instead of him. And then I said, I forgive you. And forgiving him, she said, has freed her from her anger and allowed her to live her life more fully. Letting go of anger has let me love more. And you know what she does? It didn't stop there. She started to petition on his behalf to stop the, of, the state of Tennessee from doing what the court said to do. Take his life. She's the main victim here. And she's saying, please do not do this. This is what God has called us to do. And even with, even with Don Johnson becoming an elder in a church, showing that there has been new life in his life, and even with the, the, his victim, Cynthia, saying, it's time to let it go, I want you to know that Don was killed by the state of Tennessee in 2019. And you thought it was going to be a good ending, didn't you? The love and peace that Christ gives us to offer to one another 
shines light on the systems around us. And so we have to have our life filled with love and healing and forgiveness and invitation and hospitality, and it must stand apart from the system and trouble it to its core. This is how people come to know Christ, friends, by how we live our lives, refusing to be to fit into the system and to show that Jesus has a better way for us, for this world, and for every person here. So may we cause good trouble in the world. Trouble that, that makes authorities upset. That troubles other people's judgments of others that troubles the status quo, the social norms, and yes, even troubles the systems that rule our world. For when we do, we will see people come to know Christ, and we will be doing His will in everything. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.